Blog Talk Radio. Tune in to the hottest sports talk show. I've never had it so good sports radio. Join us weekdays at 7 p.m. Stories about players and coaches of all levels. We make it easy to talk sports. Welcome to Never Had It So Good Sports Talk Radio. We're live today, 6 p.m. hour and also the 7 p.m. hour Eastern Time. I'm excited to get the gentlemen in here, coaches Jay Hayes and Jonathan Hayes from the XFL Arlington Renegades, and we'll get them in in just a moment. Let me welcome in my co-host, Duck Riley. Sir, how are you? Doing well, Francis. Uh, as usual, glad to be on with you. Hopefully we glad get out my it. homeboy on. <laughs> get your homeboy on, yeah. Glad to have the band back together. Yeah, um, and I'm sure Tim, Tim will be in in just a little bit. Um, we'll, we'll we'll get him in in just a little bit. But let's welcome Jay Hayes and Jonathan Hayes to the show. Let me open up the mics here. I can't say Coach Hayes, so Coach Jay Hayes, how are you? I'm I'm great, Princess. How are you? It's a long time. I'm doing good. Since I've talked to you. <laughs> I know, I know. It's good to hear your voice. I, I don't have to compete with Ricky today, so no, <laughs> no, sir. Ricky was on last night. I made sure that you had the platform with just yeah. your brother. <laughs> I'm going to have yeah. to tell him though. You you mentioned him, um, Coach yeah, Jonathan Hayes. Are you are you with us? I am. Yes. Hello. How you doing? <laughs> I'm good. Thank you. And yourself? I'm doing really good. Thank you all for taking time to be with us. I just reached out to Duck, gentlemen, and said, hey, we, we got to get Coach um, Jonathan and Coach Jay Hayes on just to talk about the XFL and, and the success the, uh, of this, you know, comeback season. Duck, you want to take over, and I'll come back in and ask questions, too. Okay. All right. First of all, you know, congratulations, guys. You know, it's great yeah. uh have two brothers, OC and DC, uh, bring that bring the tro- bring that championship trophy home. So congratulations! Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I want to start off with Jay. Jay, for the listeners out there, can, we want to uh, kind of get a little bit of your background, a little bit of Jonathan's background. So kind of take it through how I got started. You know, from college to the pros and to the XFL. Sure. Well, you know, uh, I played at the University of Idaho um, out in uh, Moscow, Idaho, uh, then uh, had tryouts in the NFL, didn't make it, played. Then I played in the USFL, played for Michigan Panthers, played against you, uh, the San Antonio Gunslingers, the Memphis Showboats uh, in back in the USFL. Uh, with some really good players over the years, uh, Reggie White and uh, Anthony Carter and those types of guys, um, you know, had a good time. Uh, finished my career playing up in Canada uh, for the Ottawa Rough Riders for a team that's not even in existence anymore. Um, then I got private business uh, for a little bit and uh, then found my way to coaching Um I fortunately started coaching at the uh, University of Notre Dame, 
was a graduate assistant there, um, became a full-time coach after a year. Uh, we won the national championship my first year. Um, you know, my first two years, we were 24-1. and one. Uh, so, you know, I thought coaching was pretty easy, and uh, but, you know, found out it, it wasn't necessarily that. But I ended up coaching um, several places, uh, Notre Dame, uh, Cal Berkeley, uh, University of Wisconsin in Madison. Uh, then I went to the NFL, coached for the Steelers, uh, coached for the Vikings, coached uh, for Cincinnati. Jonathan and I were together at Cincinnati for 13 years. Then I left, went to Tampa Bay, uh, stayed there for a couple years. Then I went to Green Bay. Uh, then Jonathan and I got together in the XFL. Uh, he was the head coach uh, at the St. Louis Battlehawks in 2020, and I was his defensive coordinator. And then COVID hit, uh, so the league disbanded. Uh, you know, I've knocked around doing a couple other, you know, spring leagues. I've coached the spring league and then went back to the XFL this past year in Arlington with Bobby Stoops as our head coach. And my brother was the offense coordinator. Uh, and we ended up winning the XFL championship. So that was it in, the, in, in a nutshell, uh, my career. Okay. Johnny? Uh, uh, Jonathan. Yeah. Yeah. See, yeah. <clears throat> Same thing. Just uh, kind of give the audience a little bit about Jonathan Hayes. Well, I, uh, <laughs> I started off at the University of Iowa, uh, was there, graduated there in 1984, got drafted uh, by the Kansas City Chiefs in the second round in 1985, played for the Chiefs for nine years. Then I played – uh, went free agency. I went to the Steelers my last three years uh, in the league, and I, I finished playing uh, 96 season. Um, uh, I had an opportunity to play in three uh, AFC championship games and one Super Bowl, played a, a bunch of playoffs, um, went to the playoffs nine times in, in my 12-year career uh, as a player. Um, once I got done playing, I sat out for about three, I'd say seven months. I was on uh, radio and TV locally in Kansas City. I did a ESPN sideline gig um, for one game. Had the opportunity after that. Uh, uh, Bobby uh, Soups was coaching at uh, University of Florida, and he got uh, the head coaching job at the University of Oklahoma. Uh, he called me and asked me to be part of his staff. I uh, became part of his staff in 1999, um, and w w I was there with him for four years. In our second year, we won the national championship. Uh, I coached the tight ends, um, offensive tackles, and uh, uh, the H-backs, and also as a special teams coordinator. Then uh, I went to Cincinnati, and Jay and I were together, like he said, for 13 years, and then he left, and I stayed those uh, three more years, so I was in Cincinnati for a total of 16 years, um, and then uh, we left there, I left there, um, Marvin uh, got got let go, 
part of the staff got let go, and I was part of that staff. But fortunately, um, uh, Jim Haslett, who I owe this the the opportunity to, he was going to be the uh, head coach of the St. Louis BattleHawks, and then he had to have a surgery, and he went to Oliver Luck, twenty, and he said, "You really need to hire this guy." Talking about myself, and so uh, Oliver and I sat down, and we had a great meeting with him and my wife Christy. And he offered me the job at over dinner. So that's how well the meeting went. And uh, we were starting to hit our stride. We were three and two before the league shut down. Uh, we had a really good setup. I had a bunch of really good coaches, guys that have been in the league for a long time. Uh, Timmy Lewis was also part of our staff with Jay. And uh, Chuck Long was part of our staff. And Reggie Davis, who was – uh, our running back coach and was our running back coach in Arlington also, uh, and Michael George. So I then I got all those guys to come with us to, to Arlington. And, uh, you know, needless to say, we had a great experience the second time around. And once we got things going in the right direction and got our quarterback situation um, taken care of and, and got got everyone settled down and, just playing good football and, and, and at last month we really got into a groove and played some uh, really fun and productive football. Yeah, John, did you, did you, you know, kind of growing up and getting into uh, playing yourself, did you see yourself becoming a, uh, a college coach, a pro coach, or even a head coach? Well, um, when I, I was 16, I, I was uh, the head baseball coach of a 13-year-old uh, baseball team. I, I, I think, you know, having our parents, they both, um, my mother was a school teacher. My, my, my dad was uh, worked for the state parole board at Western Pennsylvania, but he was always one of our coaches and always, you know, was helping us. And you always saw him pass it forward. Both of my, our parents pass it forward. So I, it kind of just came naturally, I guess, or, you know, I just felt comfortable doing it, um, doing service for people. And I think that, you know, that was just our background. That's the way we we're raised. And, and that's why I think, you know, both of us have got, had gotten into coaching. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Same question, Jay, you know, I, I'm just kind of curious about what what got you into coaching. I just hear what Jonathan said. Yeah, you know, I wanted to coach football before I was allowed to play football. <laughs> you know, my our 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 parents um, didn't allow us to play like uh, little league football. You know. Uh, they they told us we had to wait until we were in the seventh seventh grade till we got into uh, junior high. Uh, they wouldn't let us play like pop Warner football. Um, and you know we had cousins in the little area we lived in that were really good little pop Warner football players, and you know we always looked up to them. We would be at our grandmother's house and watch the kids practice and all that stuff. And, you know, we'd go watch Marvin play, you know, Marvin Lewis, who 
Jonathan and I grew up with, and our families have known each other for years and years, hundreds of years, a hundred years, over a hundred years. Um, but, um, you know, I just always wanted to be a football coach. I used to, you know, our dad, like Jonathan said, was a supervisor for the parole board in the state of Pennsylvania. And I used to take his legal pads, he'd get legal pads, and I would be drawing up plays and stuff um, <laughs> as I going to my piano lessons uh, at, at Carnegie Mellon on Saturdays. And our mom would uh, have the Penn State games on, and uh, we'd be listening to the Penn State games on the way home on the radio, you know. I, I just always had a fascination with football and uh, always wanted to be around it. And, like, we finally got to start playing in junior high and, and then high school. And growing up in western Pennsylvania, I mean, that's what you do. You know, football is, is king there. Um, even though, like, our, our father was a college basketball player and loved basketball. He's from Indiana and played at Muncie Central High School. Um, but, uh, you know, which is a historical basketball team, you know, like the uh, movie Hoosiers was based on play, Muncie Central playing um, the, the team Myland in Indiana, but that's where my our dad went to school. But um, he was a big basketball fan. But, you know, we just grew up around football and wanted to do it and, and be around it. And, and uh, I just always wanted to coach it even before I played it and got the opportunity to play, uh, not as much as Jonathan did, uh, but, you know, played some pro football. And, uh, you know, that that's just always been my plan to, to be involved with football uh, as my livelihood. And, uh, I've been re- very blessed to be able to do it um, at a high level um, from major college to the NFL and beyond, you know. So it's uh, something that I wanted to do and um, and, and feel very fortunate to have, have gone this far with it. Yeah, John, you know, I, I'm thinking, what what did you take – from college coaching that you utilized in the NFL, and how different was it? Well, obviously, you know, college coaching, you, you, it's a lot more recruiting than actual X's and O's. You got to do X's and O's, but you just have a system that you're going to run, and that's the system you run. Where in, 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 in pro football, you're constantly changing uh, what you might do against an opponent that week just because of you're, you're always trying to play to your strengths and your opponent's weakness. And, and I think that's what I learned. I mean, I'm, I probably had maybe a, a, a uh, you, you know, I don't know, a, a, not even a master's when I was in coaching college, but when I got out of pro, I feel like I have my doctorate, you know, because you see so many different defenses, you see so many different things that happen and you have to be able to adjust. And that's where, you you know, through experience, trial and error, failure, all those things are part of how how you grow as a coach. And, and, 
you know, it's interesting to watch when they hire these young, real young coaches and they all have enough experience on their staff and, and they wonder why these guys fail, I think, because they just haven't seen all these different things and they don't know how to adjust to them. And and I think, you know, that's where even us this year uh, with our XFL team, with our Arlington team, you know, we had a a tough go at it early. The defense, thank God we played to our defense because – Offensively, we, we we were just struggling, and you know, once um, we got our um, quarterback situation uh, uh, ratified, then we started playing good, uh, solid football, and and we made huge strides by the end of the year. And, and um, if you looked at our stats early in the year as opposed to last month of the year, you know, it's it, it, it it night and day. But just because we had a, enough experienced guys and we didn't lose lose our mind and we didn't try to fit a, uh, a, a round, uh, a square peg into a round hole, you know, we, we kept getting better and the guys believed in us and, and we believed in them and we kept moving forward. Okay, uh, Jonathan, let's talk about some of the challenges, you know, like like Jay, you know, just spoke about challenges coming from college into the pros. For me? Yeah. For, yeah, for Jay. That was Jonathan. Here's here's the issue you're going to have, Duck, and, and this has happened since we were kids. <laughs> we There's Jonathan, Jeffrey, and Jay, and then there's Jewett, and there's Joy. So there's all J's in our house. Okay. <laughs> so, Doc, to make it easy on you, you can just call me Hawk. That's what most people do, and then they'll call J.J. <laughs> How's that? That'll make it easier. All right. All right. All right. This Let's stay on the challenges. So, okay. Do you want me to answer, Doc? Yeah. Jay, do you want me to answer? Okay. Well, Jay, uh, a uh, uh, hawk. <laughs> For me, like Jonathan said, um, you know, in college it was recruiting, you know, um, just starting off. For me, you know, my first job, I was at University of Notre Dame. And so we recruited nationally. And it, it was a big endeavor, um, you know, where I was going. We lost three coaches my first year because they got head coaching jobs. So I ended up increasing my recruiting area. So I had North Jersey. I had uh, the D.C. area, Western Pennsylvania. Um, I had um, parts of the Midwest, and then I had from Denver West. So everything from Denver to Seattle to L.A., San Francisco, L.A., Phoenix, you know, I had all of that. And um, that year, I signed for the top 100 players in the country. 
and Coach Holtz didn't go on one home visit with me, right? So I I was like, well, you know, I must be pretty good at this. But part of it was I got trained by Hershey, a Fortune 500 company, on sales, right, the year before I became a coach. And, um, you know, I that paid a lot of dividends for me to be organized and things like that and give presentations to people. And then I was selling a great product, right? So I went from selling Hershey chocolate, which is an easy thing to sell, right? Everybody likes Hershey chocolate, right, to selling Notre Dame, which before I had gone to Notre Dame, I thought everyone liked Notre Dame, but then I found out when I went there, not not everyone did. It was more like 50-50. Um, but, you know, the one good thing about the all the colleges I worked at, I had a great, um, you know, thing to sell, which was the academics and the tradition of Notre Dame, um, Cal Berkeley and University of Wisconsin Madison. So you know, at least you got got into homes. If people had uh, any inkling of you know they wanted their son to get a good education. I at least had that to present to them. I never had to work at a place that um, you know academics weren't important. And I don't know how that would have gone. When when I went to the NFL, it, you didn't have to worry about any, you know, going to class or anything like that. And uh, all you had to do it was football uh, 24-7 um, and just dealing with the athletes, making sure you were giving them an opportunity to get better and um, just increase their brand, right? And um, that's kind of how I've approached it since I've gone to professional football. And fortunately, you know, uh, our experiences, players having played professional football, we were able to, you know, um, get on the same page with the players because the bottom line is they they want to keep working. And uh, if I can get them better, then that's, that's what's important. Uh, like Jonathan said, this past season, um, it, it our experience really paid dividends and to how we were able to win games. And at the end of the season, we got into the playoffs, and you know it, it was evident to just about everyone that uh, our coaching staff outperformed the people that we went against and we were able to get our players to buy in and do the things we wanted and win those two games. And as you know, getting into playoffs is all about winning in in the second season. And that's what we were able to do. Yeah. And I want to stay with you, Jay, because uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the XFL and, is it more of you guys developing those young men and some of the NFL guys that came over to the XFL, develop them to go back to the NFL or get a chance to play in the NFL? 
Can you kind of talk about that? Yeah, you know, uh, and they try to sell um, it as a league of opportunity, right? Um, And I think that's what it is. Uh, We definitely are trying to develop the players uh, from where they are. Some we had guys who had played a lot of pro football. You know, we had guys that played in the Super Bowl and things like that on our team. We've had guys that came straight out of college. Um, we we have them at all different levels. Uh, but what we were, I think, were able to do is just get the guys on the same page quickly and and make them a team uh, where they believed in each other. Our, I, I thought our continuity was great. The players really cared about each other. And um, just you could tell by as the season went on, even when we were having difficult times, uh, maybe not uh, scoring as many points as we wanted to, but, you know, people, the people that complained, we got rid of them, you know, and uh, we we made that very clear. Bobby uh, does a great job and, and says, hey, he told the guys, I hate when people are negative, if people don't, if you're not going to be positive, you're not going to be part of our team. And um, it was very evident, uh, you know, once we got rid of a couple guys, uh, it it just went way smoother. We got some people in that believed in what we were doing, and um, then we just were able to all uh, go in the right direction. And uh, at the end, we won the championship. So that was an unbelievable feeling, and you know, it was great to do with my brother and the rest of my friends. You know, uh, Jonathan talked about guys on our staff. Uh, Tim Lewis, uh, Chuck Long, Reggie Davis, Jonathan Heinbach, Scott Spurrier, Marvin Sanders, Bill Sheridan, uh, Michael George, uh, and, and, you know, of course, Coach Stoops. Um, you know, just it, it was a pleasure to work with those guys. And a lot of those guys were on Jonathan's staff. Uh, about half of them were on Jonathan's staff at uh, St. Louis, and um, you know, we just kind of got the band back together, and um, and just moved on with what we had had going in 2020. But you know, COVID COVID messed up a lot of things, you know. And uh, XFL football was one of them. But uh, we were able to get it back going, and um, uh, it, it turned into a lot of fun. We had a bunch of players on our team that played you know, for the St. Louis team, for us, that came to Arlington and, and uh, helped us win the championship. So that was fun. Okay, uh, Jonathan, uh, yeah, you, you just heard what Jay said. My thing is, I know besides the quarterback, during the season, you know, you started off rough, which we all know. When did you actually feel that, you know what, we got a shot? Well, as you know, defenses most of the time are always ahead of offenses. Uh, And unfortunately or fortunately for us, we didn't have a preseason. So it took us a little longer to develop. It took us a little longer to hit our stride. 
but I would say probably it was when we were uh, 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 playing uh, uh, Orlando, and and we had a pretty positive uh, offensive outing. Now that wasn't the best outing we had, but we had a good one, and I think that was the probably the first game offensively that players start believing in what we were were trying to get them to to understand. And then um, when uh, Luis came on board, um, even though uh, we we lost the game and we lost our one of our quarterbacks, uh, Drew Plitt, he was a young guy that um, still will have a bright future, uh, Luis came in and just was a calming factor for us and allowed us to really, it, it, it allowed us to, it allowed me to expand our, our, our playbook and, and really go deep into it to do the things we were trying to do it earlier. And, uh, and he was able to do because he's so experienced and he'd been involved with so many different offenses and he had run the West coast offense and, and, and he had done so many things. So it wasn't new to him. Um, but the good thing was, and Jay had kind of uh, hit on it a little bit about the negative negativity we had early, especially it was more on the offensive side. And 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 and, and Bobby, to his credit, trusts what we would tell him, and backed our play, and we backed his play because, like Jay said, Bobby didn't want negative guys. It's hard enough to win. I don't care what league you play in, whether it's XFL, NFL, uh, college, it's hard enough to win. And then when you have guys that are undermining you and and, and not allowing you to, uh, the rest of the guys to have success, it, it becomes a very difficult chore. So when Luis came, uh, it really allowed us to expand ourselves. It really allowed the guys to see what they really were capable of and, and to really challenge them. Because when it comes right down to, you know, we were talking about, you, Duck, you had asked the question about uh, the challenges of coaching going from college uh, to pro. The only challenge, it's not a challenge, but it's making guys understand whether it's college or pro, they want to be coached. And and it's just what technique you're willing to use, and every guy's different. I mean, the biggest thing now that I, I see is different than, especially when we play, is you got to be a psychologist, a, psych, a, a, a psychologist. A, you you, you got to be a, a counselor. You got you, you got to be a mentor. You got to be – all these different things for every, every guy is different. And some guys are verbal learners. Some guys are, 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 are visual learners. You know, some guys are both audio and visual learners. So you just got to learn how to reach them the best way you can and, and do the best. But the, the one thing players always know, and as a player, they're going to call call you out if you're not being authentic, and and that's the thing they saw in us is hey we're this is who we are, and we're not going to change. We're gonna we're gonna we'll make adjustments. We're willing to work with you, but 
but we're not going to change what our standard has to be. And our standard has our standard is going to stay high. We got to work hard at it. And if we're not meeting it, my job was to make sure they understood why. And, and I think that is what was allowed us to have the success because they did buy into it and they did believe that we were telling them the truth because the film doesn't lie. They had opportunities to win in those earlier games and chances to make plays. And our job as coaches is to just put them in position to do those things. And it's up to them to make them. And then when they realize, hey, we're not making the plays, but they're there to be made, then that, I think that's when it, uh, the momentum started changing for the, for the better for us. Okay. Uh, and staying kind of right on the topic, like you guys just finished the season, and I'm sure the NFL is contacting you and Jay uh, about some of the personnel. During the season, did you see any guys that played for you that you said, hey, you know what? This guy can really play on the next level. He just needs a shot. I think what happens with the spring leagues and for the NFL, our guy, we got done early. Um, the uh, USFL is still playing, and it allows our guys to uh, leave and go to camp and all those things. But the, conversely, the other part to that is, is um, they a lot of uh, NFL teams have already had the draft. Well, the NFL had the draft, and then they have have uh, started OTAs. So they've already had their rookie camps, and so they've signed their free agency, uh, college free agents. So they want to take a look at it, even though there's guys that we know that probably on our team, there's probably, I would say, if you went through the entire league, you're going to have probably 7 to 10% uh, get an opportunity to go to a camp. That doesn't mean they're going to sign right now. I mean, some of them are going to go to rookie camp and work out. Some of them will get called once there's they get a good look at a college free agent and doesn't think uh, he can do it, so they'll bring them in, all those things. So the percentage, that's about what the percentage was last time when COVID uh, knocked us out. So it's probably going to be similar percentage-wise, you know, and to be quite honest, some of these guys, the younger ones, they just need to play. They just either played one year as a starter or they changed positions. and So they just need the experience. They just need to learn how to play the game and how to be a pro and how to prepare and, and, and prep themselves so that they are ready to go play. They, and I think that was the other part with us and our staffs and, and and some of the other staffs uh, in, in our league, they, they they showed these players what it's like to have to prepare as an NFL player because that's what all we know. So that's what we were how we prepped and we got them prepared that way, and, and so it allowed them to see what challenges they're going to have moving forward. Okay, uh, Jay, I want to come to you. You know, are you looking more at the uh, the NFL, the CFL, at, and USFL than college for players 
for the following year? Well, right now, um, what we're doing, we're going to have a draft. Uh, I want to say, what is it, John, June 16th? Um, uh, Somewhere in there where the guys who were eligible for the 2023 draft um, are going to be in a draft for the XFL, um, guys who did not get drafted or signed as free agents um, for um, the um, – that didn't get signed in the NFL, then they'll be eligible for our um, June 16th draft. And so, you know, and we've had success with those types of things. And, you know, there are guys who got invited to, say, rookie camps or – things like that. You know, you just get an invitation to rookie camp. People get all, um, you know, say, oh, well, I, I got invited to camp. Well, you know, it's hard to, to get more than an invite to that three-day camp and turn it into something. And all the time we were in Cincinnati, I think we only kept one guy um, of all those all those years uh, what was that kid's name, John? Glenn uh, Holt, right? Right. Holt's the only guy that ever came as an invite to a rookie camp that we signed, and then made, he made our team and played played for the Bengals for like three or four years. You know, um, he's just a guy that got one of those weekend invites, and and that's those are the types of guys that will be eligible for this draft that we're about to have. Um, Once camp gets over for the NFL, all the players that get cut and then aren't put onto practice squads are the people that we look to sign. You know, the the vested players that, um, you know, the NFL doesn't want to pay a million dollars to are the guys that you know, want one more shot. Um, but, and we had quite a few of those guys on our team this past year. Uh, and, and you have to talk some of those guys into playing. You know, we got some of those guys late in the year because they were, oh, I'm going to get signed, I'm going to get signed. And, you know, right up until December, January, you know, they were waiting uh, to – for the playoffs and stuff like that, we start January 4th. So, you know, we're talking guys in and, and finally talk some guys off off the street in February, you know, to come join us. But, you know, we're always looking, turning over stones. Rick Mueller, our, our player uh, personnel guy, does a great job at just finding players. And we found guys um, – you know, in midseason, Brian Rusnak was a guy who played at University of Michigan and um, played for the Jaguars for a couple years um, and made a key interception for us at the end of the game in the championship game to, to put the game away for us. But he was a guy we had to kind of talk into the building um, because he was, you know, it was – I, I want to say it was like March or 
you know, late February, March, when we finally got him in the building, we had played, you know, four or five games before we got him to come in. But, you know, you're just always looking for guys because people get injured. You know how it is, Duck. You know, guys get, get injured during the season. Uh, you know, you're just short guys. And then when once the USFL started, we, our pool of players start um, drying up because, you know, guys are like, well, I'm going to go play in the USFL, you know, or I'm going to go play in Canada. You know, there, there's, there's uh, a lot of leagues going on right now, um, uh, two, you know, two spring leagues and, and then the CFL's going on, you know, they just started camp. So, um, you know, you, you have to really dig to find guys. Okay. I want to, uh, before I bring Tim and Princess in, I, I want, this is for, uh, start, I'll stay with you, Jay, and then Jonathan. How important is the role of your wives through all of this process? <laughs> It's May. May, Look, you got to understand, this is May, and we're still sticking with Mother's Day. So, I. Oh, yeah. Hey, you know, and uh, so our wives have have been our biggest supporters throughout our our, uh, lives, uh, other than our mother. And, uh, you know, uh, Susan and I have been married for 31 years now. And uh, she has really been a single parent for most of that time and raised kids, done a great job with them. Uh, she's the CEO of uh, Hayes Incorporated. So, and uh, Aunt Chris does, does the same thing for the Cincinnati Hayes. You know, the St. Pete Hayes are, are down here in Florida, but the Cincinnati Hayes, the Loveland Hayes, they were doing the same thing. And, you know, when we were in Cincinnati, we lived in the same development. We lived three-tenths of a mile from each other and used to have Sunday dinners together. And the kids were ball boys and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, the girls would come, you know, they would be mad because they, they couldn't be ball boys, you know. Uh, but, uh, you know, our daughters are great athletes and, you know, our moms are – are, are great, uh, you know, mentors to our children and, and uh, directors to us in, in our careers. And, uh, you know, we couldn't do, we could not do what we do without um, our wives. And um, I'm sure, you know, Jonathan will tell you the same thing. So, and I know that for a fact because I've been there with him, you know, we were quite, quite a bunch of them. Okay. Uh, Jonathan? Oh, my wife just wanted to get me out of the house, so she said, "Go." <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean everything Jay said. I mean, you know, I, I couldn't have done all these things that I've had an opportunity to do with, without her, you know, and, and and raise such good kids. So you know, for us, it's it's just. But you know that's what a partnership is, and that's what a relationship is, and and, and there's give and take, and there's you know the yin and the yang, and and so you know uh, sometimes sacrifices have to be made so that 
the other one can go do their thing. And, and uh, as long as everyone's good with it, you know, you just keep moving forward. Okay. Uh, Tim. Uh, Coach, uh, Coach Hayes, uh, both uh, glad to have you guys with us. I was just listening uh, to the program and just, just enjoying. I was telling I checked the duck and told him I didn't need to ask any questions because I was enjoying what you all were saying there. Uh, but I did have a, a, a curiosity about both of you all have coached at the highest level uh, in, in NFL, you, you, you know, and in, in uh, some of the cases played ball as well. Um, and you've seen um, sort of a change in generation in terms of uh, the guys that you've coached. I'm wondering um, in this XFL situation, do the guys know your pedigree in terms of your history for coaching at the at the highest level of the game? And uh, if they do or don't, um, are they more receptive or less receptive uh, to uh, what you're coaching uh, or to your coaching as opposed to what uh, what guys were when you first started coaching? Well, it's like, you know, I was saying to you earlier, you know, they're – it's so different than when we first started coaching as opposed to now. And, you know, you got to be a psychologist, got to be a counselor, you got to be a mentor. You got, you know, they got to know that before you can get them to believe in all the X's and O's, you can draw all the X's and O's you want. They got to know that you care before anything else. And once you show them that you care, they'll follow you. They'll, they'll do what you, you ask them to do. You can make it very difficult on them, and, and they'll, they'll hit it, you know, run through a wall for you, but they got to trust you first. And, and a lot of these guys, um, some do and some don't, but some were raised by, you know, single parent. Some were raised by their auntie or grandmother, or, you know. Right. So, it, for them, it, it's you know you got to show them that you care. It's not just some, and Jay had kind of talked about some of the guys that played for us when I was the head coach in St. Louis. Well, it's no different when I was in St. Louis or when I was in Cincinnati or when I was at Oklahoma. I always had an open door policy. If you have an issue, come talk to me about it. And then we can we can get on, on the same page. Now that doesn't mean I'm always going to agree with what you say, but I'm going to listen to you. And it, and it doesn't just have to be about football. If you need something about life, I mean, and, and that was probably you know you ask the thing I'm probably most proud of is how many guys that have played for me and asked me to come to their weddings or be a part of their weddings and things like that, that, that to me shows that, Hey, I'm not just coach Hayes. I'm a mentor. I'm someone that matters to them because they trust me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, Like Jonathan says, I mean, this is something that, uh, this is a lifetime relationship you have with, with Uh these men. Uh, it turns into, you know, they're they're like your little brothers or your nephews or what have you. And, uh, you know, there's stuff that goes on that you have to help them through. And it's not all football. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of different things. 
um, one of one of my players who played for me in Berkeley uh, lived there in Frisco, and uh, he would come to all of our games and all of our home games, and we would go out to dinner. And he's still single, as a matter of fact. You know, he's like fifty some years old. I always am talking to him, talking about him. Well, when are you going to get married? You know, so he's supposed to be getting married here uh, finally. Uh, you know, maybe this year, and he's like, "Well, coach, you know, you're going to be in my way." <laughs> you know, I'm like, "Well, it's about time, Michael." You know, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's just one of those things that uh, it, it, all the guys, you know, I some of my guys, Will Clark played for us. I drafted him in Cincinnati, right? He played for me in Cincinnati. He got cut by the Bengals. I brought him to Tampa. He played for me at Tampa. Uh, he got cut uh, in in the NFL. We brought him to St. Louis. He played for us in St. Louis. Then he went back to the NFL. Um, had, had little tryouts there. I've seen him have you know, he and his wife, Mercedes, have three children now. You know, I've seen him grow from from a boy to a man. And, you know, I've known, known his father, known who his father was since I was like 16 years old because his dad's from Pittsburgh, you know. So I have that, that connection with him. And, uh, you know, he, he's just a guy that uh, I've coached him now in two leagues, and um, coached him uh, at four different teams. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm proud to say he's my friend, you know. And uh, it's, it goes deeper. It's deeper than football, you know. So. Yeah. All right, Francis. Uh, Coaches, I'm listening to you all, and thank you for being on. And I'll start with you, yeah. Coach Jonathan. Talk to me. Um, about the championship game, you know, what was said at halftime and, and then going into the fourth quarter when you have a 12-point lead. Um, talk to me about some of the processes there and, and how that all panned out um, and you went in the fourth quarter. But, you know, talk about halftime adjustments and then what did you say to the guys, you know, going to the fourth quarter with a 32-20 um, score? Well, I I think the, the, the main thing is obviously when – when you're in the, when you're, you know, in front like that going into halftime and you just want to take care of the football, make good decisions, uh, be able to run the ball the way we, we did a really good job of running, mix and running pass. We were almost 50, 50 the whole way throughout the game and, and just make sure, you know, the adjustments for us was just don't beat yourself. You know, um, and we damn near tried to at the end when we fumbled the ball, um, which, you know, as an offensive play caller, which drives you crazy because it didn't have to happen, but it was what it was. And we didn't have a a chance to replay um, because uh, we already had it. We challenged. We didn't have a timeout left, so we didn't get a chance to challenge a call. And mm-hmm. we felt like the nose tackle was offside before we could even snap the ball, but that's here nor there now. But, um, you know, those are the, the, the things that you talk about. Um, like I said, um, we, we had a, we, we were dialed in the whole game against those guys. And, 
we felt good about what we were doing. And, and I just wanted to make sure they stayed on the same path and, 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 and kept executing at a high level. Okay. Coach Jay? Yeah. You know, I, I told Luis Perez, our quarterback, um, earlier in the week, he, he had come in and he, I had coached uh, Luis in the spring league. I'd been around him. Uh, Tim Lewis, who was also our, our co-defense coordinator had been his head coach in the AAF. Um, you know, so he always came in and would talk to us and he's just a, a gym rat, you know, he's always in the building and all that stuff. We told Luis, Luis, if, if we get a lead, we play really good defense, you know? <laughs> and uh, I think I said that to Jonathan as well. I said, Johnny, if we can get a lead, bro, we'll, we'll whoop their, we'll whoop their tail, you know? So, and, and sure enough, man, every time, every time I looked up, they were driving the ball, scoring touchdowns. I, I think we scored, we scored like every time we touched the ball into the third quarter. So, um, you know, they the offense made it really uh, easy for us to maintain that that lead, and um, you know we were like I said, I I just felt um, our experience of our coaching staff, top to bottom, um, really laid the plan out, and the players executed it, and it's you know like on. Uh, that show with uh, Mr. T, you know, I used to say, hard. I love it when a plan comes together and it, it just came perfectly. And, you know, we were, we were able to win it one away really. And, uh, and it, it was, it was nice. It was, it was a good win because most of those games, I don't know how much of the XFL you guys watch. There weren't very many blowouts in our league. They were all very close. I think just because of the timing, how, how, you know, the clock didn't really stop until the last two minutes of the half, of each half and stuff like that. Um, it, it, you know, you had to be really efficient all the time. And, uh, yeah. you know, we we were and then able the to role do changes too. With you know, with you could go instead of kicking an onside kick, you can go uh, be fourth and fifteen, and you can go for uh-huh. it after you scored with two minutes left in the game. So you know those type of things. It really and then uh, the extra point instead of just kicking an extra point, you can go for one point, you could go for two points, or you could go for three points, which really changes the complexity of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, we'll talk about um, the interaction with ownership, and I'm talking about The Rock and his his partner. Did you all have some um, during the season or in um, after the championship game? Coach Jay Hayes. Sure. Sure, we did. You know, um, the Danny came around more than DJ did, but uh, DJ did come around some. Um, but I talked to them both right at the championship, uh, Oldham, thank you for, you know, giving us the opportunity and they, they were very gracious and, uh, just, you know, were, uh, complimentary to how we did things and, and that, and, you know, I, I, I coached against Dwayne, uh, when he was a player at Miami, um, mm-hmm. you know, at Notre Dame, <laughs> I actually 
first time I met him, I told him that. I don't know if he liked that or not, but because we beat him. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it, they were they were great, and the people from Redbird Capital, you know, were really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, they're just trying to. Uh, smooth out all the bumps and lumps in the road now and you know hopefully um, as we prepare for the second season that's coming you know it'll be even smoother and um, you know they'll have have more things uh, in store uh, surprises and uh, good good uh, vibes going forward you know yeah um Coach Jonathan, the same thing. I actually no, I want to change it because I'm trying to squeeze this in there, and I want to know about year two, 90-man roster now, and then the rookie camp on June 16th or 18th. I couldn't can't remember, and then of course all the players that are going to go to the NFL have to be done by December 26th. Um, year two, what are your expectations, and what are you doing in the off season? And you have about 60 seconds to 90 seconds here, sir. Sorry about that. Oh, no worries. Uh, well, you know, we'll continue to assess different players. Um, uh, during this off season. for for me, I still have uh, two uh, sons that one's going to be a senior, one's going to be a junior. So I'm going to a lot of uh, official visits, unofficial visits for the junior, mm-hmm. uh, to camp for the junior. So, uh, you know, I also i'm still a dad too so you know when you have yeah. more children you're, you're just trying to take care of those things also so uh um, you know so they're all my all four of my kids are athletes and and good students and 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 so you know they're going to have opportunities to to play two of mine are already about uh, uh, my older two are basketball players and i think the younger two end up being football players my daughter plays basketball at University of Cincinnati, and my son plays in the NBA. So, um, you know, we're just chasing kids still. <laughs> Amen. Amen. What a reward. That That is awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. It's a blast. Um, Jay Hayes and, and, and Jonathan Hayes, this has been went awesome just to hear you all as brothers and all the success that you've had. Thank you for taking the time to be with us tonight, okay? All right. You thank you, guys. Duck and Tim. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you always. Thank you. I'll see you in two days, Jay, at Mom's. Yeah. (laughs) Jonathan's actually getting inducted into the WPIL Hall of Fame, uh, Western Pennsylvania Athletic Association Hall of Fame. So uh, I'm going up to Pittsburgh to hang out with him and then coach the Joe Moore football camp, offensive line football camp uh, in Pittsburgh this weekend. So, I'm going to get to see Amen. a bunch of my guys. All right, congratulations. 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 Right. That's awesome. Thank you. All right, you all travel safe, and, and, and Tim and Duck will get out of the way here and come back at the top of the hour for men's basketball conversation. Never had a so good sports radio. We'll see you in just a little bit. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Jay. Thank you, John. All right, thank you. Thank you.